I was living like a rock star, except I wasn't one. I was a struggling musician. I was a wreck, physically, spiritually, emotionally. I was broken. In March of 1996, I was living with a friend who practically drugged me to church. People like me didn't belong in a church. A man approached me, and I was expecting to be escorted out of the building. Instead, he shook my hand and said, I'm glad you're here. No one was ever glad I was there. That was the first time in a long time I felt encouraged to do anything, to be anything. I don't remember what the sermon was about that day. I don't remember much of that day. What I do remember is I met God that day. And I knew He loved me. I knew He had forgiven me of every mistake I had made and every wrong I had done. I also knew it was time to change. He set me free from so much addiction and pain free from a lifestyle that would have killed me. Then the worship team needed a bass player. I ran from that as fast as I could. Playing music was part of a life that I left behind. But I was shown that my gifting was never meant for that lifestyle. It was meant for the Lord. I was encouraged and empowered to use my gifts to serve the church. I have been serving on the worship team ever since. I use my gifts for His purpose, for His church because this is what we do. This is who we are. This is us. At Fellowship of the Rockies, we want to see people encouraged, forgiven, set free, empowered, and serving in the way God designed them. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is us. How are you? Good. Welcome. Glad you're here on this 4th of July weekend. And, and you know what? There's nothing like a testimony of like life change to encourage every one of us. And so uh, I remember that day uh, when Jamie came into our service for the first time uh, in 1996. In fact, is Jamie and his family, they're, they're sitting down here. They're in this service with you guys. And so I remember that day. And, uh, and Jamie did not look like a church person. I, I so wish you had the before and after picture. You know, like they do in like weight loss commercials and things like that. You got the before and the after. I so much wish that, that we had that here for you so you can see the before Christ and, and the after Christ uh, and, and meeting Christ and, and, and what that means and what that looks like, how a guy moves from the foyer all the way to the platform, how a guy that believed that when he came into a church he was going to be rejected or shown the door, how, how he was encouraged and loved and supported and all of those other things, and to where he moves from the foyer, quite frankly, up to the platform to where he helps lead you in worship like every weekend. And so it's just a, it's a tremendous story, and, and we have so many of those stories. We're going we're gonna to show some of these stories throughout this series. Today, I'm, I'm starting a brand new series called This Is Us. 
Um, and we're going to look at our, our vision statement. We're going to look at who we are, uh, because sometimes it's important to be reminded of who you are and, and what makes you unique and what makes you who you are. And so we're going to look at that. So over the next several weeks, we're going to unpack the vision statement and, and look at that. So the title of the series is This Is Us, and it's also the title of this sermon today is This Is Us, This Is Who We Are, This Is Just Simply What We Do. Jesus is the one that said in the gospel, said this, said, the way in which a community will know who you are and know that you're a follower of mine is by the way you love one another. In other words, it's not a denominational tag that you hang on your church. It's not your church name. It's not just because you call yourself a church. But the, but the scripture says, Jesus said this, it is the way in which you love and serve and encourage one another that a world is going to look in and say, you know what? In the church, it's so much different. In the church, it's so much different how we, we, we love one another and we encourage one another to where it becomes attractional. Now listen, Many times in our culture, our church is not known for our relationships, right? Many churches are known for fights and disagreements and judgments and all of those other things, but it's not the way in which Jesus envisioned the church. It's not the way in which the first church uh, came about, Acts chapter 2. I mean, it was totally different than that. They were able to take the church from the temple to, to the homes where they, they, they loved one another. They, they studied the scriptures together. They prayed for one another. They served with one another and all of those other things. So it, it it was like it was like relationships, and so Exodus chapter eighteen. I want to tell you a brief story because uh, Moses was like he was like a pastor of a church, and his father-in-law uh, was like in the same profession. And his father-in-law, his, his name is Jethro. And, and I just tell you what, I am so thankful for normal names in the Old Testament. Uh, sometimes it's so hard trying to write. I mean, you're going through all these hard names, and, and, and you're like, what, what is up with that? And then we come across a guy like Jethro that it sounds like, that guy's from Texas. I mean, he's a country boy. And so it's just so refreshing to come to this. And so Moses is, is like a pastor of a church. Jethro is his father-in-law. He's coming to see uh, Moses. And so, of course, he, Moses, uh, Jethro was like some uh, mentor in Moses' life. He, he wanted to impress him. So Moses takes his father-in-law down to the church, and he says, this is, how, this is what we do. Uh, this, this is how we're organized and all of those other things. And so, now listen, one of the things you need to know about Joseph is, or, or sorry, Jethro, is this, is Jethro wasn't a beat-around-the-bush guy. I mean, Jethro just told it like it was. See, really and truly in life, there's only two types of people. There's beat around the bush people, and then there's people that just tell it like it is, right? And so if you're here this morning and you're wondering which one, one am I, if you're wondering, you're a beat around the bush person. And so there's two types of people. And Jethro was that person to just tell it like it is. So he looked at the organization. He looked at everything that uh, Moses was doing. And here's what, what Jethro said, very direct, Mo, uh, Exodus 18, 17. He said, this is not good. It's just not good. And so in case you're wondering what Moses thinks, there's like an exclamation mark there. It's just this is not good. And then he goes on in verse 18, says, Moses, let me explain to you why this isn't good. In verse 18, he says, he says you're going you're gonna to wear yourself out with this model of church. See, Moses believed that it was just a few, a few. it was about the leaders. It was about the leaders and in, 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 in doing everything in the church. And he said, this, you're, you're going to wear yourself out. And the people, too, the job is too heavy of a burden for you to handle all by yourself. And so Jethro's helping Moses to understand, says, son, the church is, the, the church is all of us. 
This is us. This is who we are. This is what we do. In other words, the church is it's, it's, it's not some of you. It's not part of you. It's not just the leaders. I mean, the church is like everybody together. It is a family. It is a relationship. In other words, what Jethro was saying, there's two types of churches. This is us, and this is not good. It is not good to have divisions. It is not good to be a family. It is not good to understand that the church, guess what? The church is all of us, and I'm a part of all of us, and you're a part of all of us. We're a faith community. We're, we're family, where we should love one another, encourage one another, accept one another, and support one another. I mean, in this world in which we live, we need more encouragement, right? And so that's what, that's what Jethro was saying. That's what Paul says in the New Testament. And so we, we, can never, we can never lose sight of this. We can never lose sight that the church is an invitation into a family where we should love one another, encourage one another, support one another, pray for one another. We understand that we serve each other. See, see God designed the church to work a certain way, and when, when it works a certain way, when it works his way, it, it, it's a beautiful thing. Now, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, is where we're going to spend our time this morning. If you have your Bible electronic device, you can turn to, click to, or, or no worries. This, this, the, the, uh, the verses that come up on, on the side screens. And so we're going we're gonna to walk through these verses together <coughs> and understand what, what this means and what it means for us. In these few minutes, I'll read our vision statement that I gave you in, in January. But we're, gonna, we're just going to walk through it very uh, systematically the next several weeks. So, so here's a verse, Ephesians chapter 4, verse, verse 11. Now these are the gifts God gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. See, this is where Jethro was trying to help Moses understand it's not just about the leaders. It's not the church isn't just the pastors. The church isn't just the, 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 the leaders that have been in place. Fact is, there's, there's a lot more to it than that. The, the leaders are to invite everybody in. And so, and so verse 12, here's what the scripture says. He says, their responsibility, talking about the leaders, is to equip God's people to do his work, build up the church, the body of Christ. So now we learn the church is not just the pastors, it's not just the staff, it's just not a few ministry leaders or a few ministry partners. Guess what? The church is all of us. And I'm a part of us, and you're a part of us. The church is not me, the church is not you, the church is not y'all. The church is every one of us. And, and so, we're, we're, in other words, we're in this together, and we can, listen, we can survive anything together. The problem is, is that, that we've taken American culture, we've Americanized the local church, and we brought some of those values into the church. See, American values is this, we're individuals. We don't need anyone to tell us what to do. We don't need anybody to help us on the journey. Fact is, we're independent. We'll do it ourselves. We don't need deep relationships. We don't need any of that stuff. And the problem is we've Americanized the local church, and we've drifted away from what God has called the church to be. See, it's one thing to say, I love the church. It's one thing to say, I believe the church. But it's a deeper thing to say, I love the church, I love the people, and I'll serve them. So here, here, here's, our, here's our vision statement, <coughs> and uh, I'm going to read it, and it says this. It says, to see people, this is our vision, what we'd like to, the community we'd like to create here, to see people encouraged, forgiven, set free, empowered, and serving in the way God has designed them. I mean, so many times we, we just need to be reminded of this because it's easy to forget, right? And listen, uh, on Tuesday, uh, I, I flew to the, the great state of, of Texas, uh, the promised land. Yeah, that's just like a courtesy laugh. That's like, that's ridiculous. 
but you still got to love me because I'm part of your family. I may be. <laughs> and so I had an opportunity. So I went back to Texas for some pastor meetings. And so uh, now I have a deadline uh, with my sermon. I have to have my sermon done and emailed by 10 o'clock on Wednesday so they can do the, the, the sermon slides and so they can put it on pronouns and uh, I'm sorry, they can put it on version and they can put it uh, in the bulletin and everywhere else. And so, so 10 o'clock Tuesday, I have this hard deadline that if I don't make it, I mean, there's a lot of yelling and screaming going on. And so, so I, I was late with this sermon. And so I got to the airport early and I started, you know, I started working because I knew once I hit Dallas that I have meetings that went, the last meeting started at six o'clock that night and I have meetings all Wednesday and I knew this is either going to be a late night or I'm going to have to try to figure out how to get it in while I'm traveling. And so I get to the airport, I start working on my sermon, I get on the plane, I've got an aisle seat. And so I, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes when I travel, I'm really antisocial. I mean, you never know who you're going to have to sit beside, Right. And so, and that's why I like to, uh, to travel with my wife. She's like a buffer for me. I get the aisle seat. She sits here and keeps everybody else from me. And so, uh, but I'm traveling alone. And so I'm on the plane and I get my sermon stuff out and I got our vision statement that we want to see people, you know, encouraged, forgiven, set free, empowered and serving God in the way he designed them. And so I, I'm going through that whole deal. And at the, main, and at the same time, I'm watching people come in, like, like just praying, like, hey, you know, no, Jesus, it'd be just awesome if, like, nobody sat beside me because I could spread out my work and I could do your work for you, you know, you know help, help me out, you know. And so, you know, I'm watching, and all of a sudden, this guy entered the plane, and it's about full at this time, and he's entering the plane. I don't know how to describe this guy. Um, all I can tell you, he looked a lot like Davy Crockett. I mean, he had a lot of stuff, a lot of leather, a lot of, a lot of stuff hanging off of himself and feathers and, and, and all this other stuff. It was, it was weird. Not only that, he's about 20. He was carrying a pink stuffed elephant with gold feet and a gold trunk. And I'm like, this is awkward. So I'm like, and then he's talking to people all down the, down the aisle, and they're talking back to him. He is a happy guy. And so I'm like, I'm praying, Lord, please, not him. No, not <laughs> Lord, I'll take anyone now. I don't even care about an empty seat. I will take anyone there. And he comes up, plops down next to me, looks over and says, dude, you got me. Boom. And I'm like, I don't, I don't even want to talk to you. He had, a, he had a leather bag full of crystals, rocks, you know. And so I don't know if, it's some, if he was a spiritualist or what. And I'm like, oh, my. You know, and so... And, I, and I'm looking, you know, we want to see people encouraged, forgive and set free, empowered, and all that other stuff. And so I'm, I'm answering his questions like, I, maybe you're like me, but I can answer a question in such a way like, hey, no follow-up questions. Uh, like, this is it. This is it. We're done. And so he kept trying to talk to me, and I'm like, you know, I'm busy here. I'm doing God's work. And so, uh, so then he started texting people. Yeah. You know what? I'm not even going to tell him. You know, and I'm thinking, you know what? If he brings the plane down, it is on his hands. And so, uh, so then... He started asking me how to spell words. And I'm like, don't you have spell check? I mean, Syria do this for you, seriously. And that's, that's what the red squiggly, squiggly lines are for. And so he'd ask me to spell a word. And so he leans over, hey, how do you spell motto? And, and then he would give you a working definition. Like motto, you know, like this is my motto. They have a motto. I, I get it. M-O-T-T-O, M-O-T-T-O. He goes, thanks, dude. Boom. And we'd fist bump and he'd, you know, go on. And so we're... And I'm like, this is crazy. And so, like, we're, we're about ready to land. He leans over to me again and says, hey, I'm so rude. What's your name? 
And he's pulling his phone out. I said, why? He said, I'm going to put your name in my phone. I said, my name's Chad. <laughs> I did. C-H-A-D. I'm from Colorado. That's how you spell it. Chad. And so he says, thanks, dude. I says, hey, can I, can I ask you, why are you putting my name in your phone? He said, you know why I do this? Because I never want to forget the people that encourage me on my journey. And you've encouraged me today. I'm like, and you call yourself a pastor. <laughs> I mean, I felt just like, just like you did. Like, oh, I can't, you know. Oh. Encouragement's a powerful thing. Right? All of us could probably say we could use a little bit more encouragement. You know, you know what helped Jamie that day? Is in the foyer, someone encouraged him. You belong. We want you. Never underestimate the power of an usher or greeter. Never underestimate the parts that we have that work together, fit in perfectly. Listen, let me just tell you something so you, we understand this. Somebody is waiting on the other side of your obedience. Can you imagine what would have happened if Jamie had walked into this church and there was no one there to greet him? There was no one there to say, you're, you're, you're wanted here. There's no one there to say, you know what? You belong. We love you. We'll, we'll, we'll bring you in. We're not going to judge you by the way you dress, by your background, by your past, by your issues, anything like that. You know what we're going to do? We're just going to welcome you in. Listen, let me tell you something. Somebody is always waiting on the other side of your obedience and the other side of my obedience. I was convicted that day with this guy because here I am. I'm writing a sermon. It's so interesting how easy it is for us to forget this. Because this vision statement isn't just for our church, it's for our daily lives. That we'd come into contact with people, and you know what? We, we want to see them encouraged. We want them to understand that they can be forgiven and set free, and then empowered to live a life in a way that God has called them, and one day they could like serve Him. So before we take communion together, which is really the picture of community, and it's so awesome that we're going to take communion this morning, to, or this afternoon now, together, three things, and the first thing is this, that we need to remember, this is us. This is us. I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us that, that a church, we're a body of interdependent members, and we can only function to the degree that, that we're known. In other words, we're a family. There, there's relationships. You can't get this online. You, you, cannot get, you cannot get relationships online. There's a relational element to church. The Acts church was able to take it from the temple to the homes to where they knew each other, they loved each other, they prayed for each other. Ephesians 4.16, Paul writes in Ephesians and he says this. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own work. It helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. In other words, this, this is us. We fit together perfectly. In my Bible, I highlighted, I underlined the whole body because the, the two words whole body because this is us. This is who we are. This is just simply what we do. In other words, it means everything is in, <coughs> excuse me, included in the church. And, and guess what? If the church is missing some parts, then the church won't fit together perfectly. It won't operate in the way that God has called them to operate. Now listen, Corey and Brittany uh, were in our earlier service, so we have all the, all the grandkids down. And, and I was thinking about one, a story many years ago when Gavin, our oldest grandson, was born. Corey and Brittany bought Gavin like this ginormous fort, this ginormous playset. And I mean, it had the fort, it had a climbing wall, it had a fireman's pole, it had a ladder, it had a slide, it had swings. I mean, it had the whole deal. And so they got delivery of it. And so Corey called me and said, hey, 
on, on your day off, you want to come up and, and, and put this thing together. I could use an extra pair of hands and put this thing together. And then by the evening, we're going to be like swinging. Gavin's going to swing. And so I, I got there that morning and with Karen. And, and so, so Corey is very, uh, he's very, very good mechanically. And I, I don't even know why I'm there. And so uh, I'm, just, I'm just doing the best I can to help. And so Corey gets the box, he, he, he opens up, we look at the picture, what a swing set looks like, and so he gets out the instructions, and so Corey is very meticulous, and he's mechanically inclined, and he understands these kinds of things, and so Corey starts looking at the directions, and he, start, he goes, oh my, and he just kind of laughs, and I'm like, what? He said, directions say in bold, under estimated time of construction, it will take two highly experienced people 24 hours to complete this project. The problem is we only had one highly experienced person, and that would be Corey. And so I'm like half a person. And so, so Corey's like, Corey's like, well, let's, let's go through the instructions. Let's go through the material list and make sure we have all the parts. And that was strange to me. I never do anything like that when I put something together. <laughs> and we'll figure it out as we go. And, you know, and, and if it doesn't fit, you really didn't need that. And so uh, <laughs> you just sent us extra parts. And so... So Corey starts going through the material list and checking things off. And you know why? Because if it's missing, if it's missing a swing or a slide or the fireman's pole or a rope swing or a ladder or, or anything like that, it's not a swing set, right? It won't fit together. If, if all the parts are the same, it won't fit together perfectly. And oh, and guess what? You know, like Gavin was old enough to like look at the picture. And so if it's missing a swing or a fireman's pole or a ladder or the climbing wall, Gavin's going to know and Gavin's going to yell at me like forever, like it was my fault. In other words, what Corey understood is for a swing set to be a swing set, all the parts had to be in place. They all had to fit together perfectly. And when that happens, it's a beautiful thing. And the grandkids, the kids like love it. And the same is true for the church. God has given us every gift, everything that we need as a local body to accomplish his will. And when it fits, when, when we all um, when we all fit together, we fit together perfectly, and we can accomplish major things. Listen, a lot of times people think of a church as parts. It's, it's not parts. It's the whole church. It's, it's like all of those parts coming together. You don't really think of a swing set in parts. You think a swing set just as a, a swing set that includes these things. The same thing with the church. Uh, uh, and that's why Paul said, verse 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. In other words, the church is a perfect place for imperfect people. There's so many people that I, I run across. And, and so, you know what? I, I wish I could serve. I'd love to go into a life group. I'd love to come into community, but you don't know me. You don't know me. You don't know my past. I'm imperfect. I've said some issues. I have some struggles that I'm working. I can't serve, and I can't come into life groups. I'd love to but I'm just not perfect. Listen, let me tell you something. If perfect was the bar, the requirement to serve here, I could not be your pastor. I'm not perfect. I have issues. I have things that I'm understanding and learning about Scripture. And I hope that doesn't freak you out, but I hope that gives you some encouragement and freedom. When a church doesn't fit together, you know what they do? 
They make all their leaders act like they're perfect. Act like they have it together. They put the smile on the face when they walk into the church because they know if they find out if I act like I'm not perfect, they're going to attack me. There's some people that won't serve because, you know what, I've served before. And man, that church, it was brutal. There was a lot of hurt. There was a lot of pain. They judged me when they realized I wasn't perfect. I had a struggle. That's not the way God intended the church to operate. There are, listen, there are some churches that are meaner than a biker's bar. <laughs> and that's not the way God designed the church to operate. The church is the perfect place for imperfect people to follow a perfect God and to serve them. And then we encourage one another and we help each other on the way. That's what that young man on the plane said, says, I, I just keep a running list of people that help me, encourage me on my journey. So this is us. This is who we are. Uh, the second thing is, is this, is this is who we are. This is who we are. We, we, we work together. That the reason that God has put us together is because we fit together. The reason that they sent, sent the material or the parts in the, in the play set was because they fit together perfectly. The same is true for the local church. The scripture tells us God has given us every gift, every ability, every personality that we need to accomplish what God has called us to do. Verse 16 again, it says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I mean, that's one of the reasons we have the journey, is so that you can understand how you fit within this body, so you can understand your gifts, your talents, and your ability, and where you could find a place to fit in this body, because we're to help each one to grow. Listen, I came to Christ in my 20s. And I am so thankful for the number of people that have come alongside of me and poured into me and mentored me and helped me and encouraged me to grow. Listen, there are some things in the Christian life you cannot grow and mature on apart from community. In other words, you have to come into community to where there's some people that love you and care for you and build those relationships and trust to help you to grow. Listen, it is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. When the church works together in the way that we're, that we're called to work, see, the, the play set, if the play set is missing some pieces, it's not a play set. And guess what? If the church is missing some ministries or some pieces that God has intended, then it's, it's not a church. It, there's a story that, <coughs> that meant a great deal to me. It was a few years ago. It went viral. Um, Ken Costa was the guy that I originally heard speaking about this story, but several people have talked about this story. But Ken Costa told the story about a young man by the name of Jerry Pruzak. Jerry Pruzak was a 19-year-old high school senior. Uh, he was working at a local Dairy Queen. He was trying to, to support himself. He had no family. Uh, he was trying to support himself to get a high school education, Then it was his dream to go on to college and to better himself. And so he's working in a, in a local Dairy Queen. And a a guy came in that, that was blind. And a, a man came in that was blind. He, he placed an order with Jerry. Jerry's working the counter. He places an order with Jerry. And then when the man reached in his pocket to pull out some money, as he pulled out the money, a $20 bill fell out and fell to the ground. The lady behind the blind man just real quickly reached down, grabbed the 20 bucks, and put it in her pocket. And so Jerry's angry. So Jerry goes, excuse me, ma'am, that's not your money, that's his money. I saw it drop out of his pocket, and she says, no, it's mine. 
And so he says, ma'am, I'm so sorry. It is not your money. I saw it. You, you, you're like stealing from this guy. I, I cannot let you do that. You need to give the money back. And the lady says, I don't, I don't care what you do to me. I, it, it is my money. I'm not giving it back. I am not giving this money back. So Jerry, needing, needing every dime that he could have to support himself through high school, reaches in his pocket, gets out $20, leans across the counter, grabs the man's hand, puts it in his hand, and said, sir, I am so sorry. This lady is so rude, and she stole from you, and that's not the way it should be. Here's $20. Someone in the store that was waiting their turn to order saw this whole thing go down. They simply went home. They wrote an email to uh, Dairy Queen's headquarters, and so that email made its way all the way up through the, the chain of, of command. They made the decision, we're going to post this on our Facebook account, that this young man did this. It's unbelievable. So they put it on their Facebook account. And uh, it, it, goes, it goes like viral. And Warren Buffett, who one of the companies that he owns, is, is a Dairy Queen. And Warren Buffett sees this. He personally calls Jerry. And says, I cannot believe you did this. And I mean, it, and he says, well, I'm really embarrassed by the attention that I'm getting. I think it'd be something anyone would do. And so Warren says, well, we're about ready to have a stockholders meeting. And we're going to have all of our Dairy Queen store owners here. We're going to have our executives and our, st our shareholders. We do this annually. And I want you to come and be my guest. We're going to pay your trip. We're going to pay your expenses. You'll sit at my table. So Jerry was there, there that night. And Warren Buffett brought him up in front of everybody, told the story. And then said, <coughs> and then said, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna pay. Uh, we're gonna give you a scholarship. We're gonna pay for your education at a state school uh, because of what you've done. And so you know the place goes nuts. And then Warren Buffett turns, and, and I'll just quote him. And he says this to those that were in attendance that night. He says, you know, in life it's hard to find individuals that have ownership in what they do. That is not a job to them. It's much more than that. Any business leader, any supervisor, any manager can tell you in the marketplace it is hard to find people that are working not just for a paycheck. They would tell you the best employees are the employees that are not working for a paycheck, not working only for what they can get out of something, but what they can give back. That they have a passion and a call, and can I tell you the same is true in church. There's something special about a group of people that are not there for them, not there only for what they can get out of it, they're there because they have ownership in what they can give back. This is us. This is what we do. And the last thing is this. This is who we are. This is who we are. We, 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 just, we grow together. Ephesians 4.15 says, Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. Now, now, this may seem strange to you, but one of the prayers that I've always had as a pastor is that you'd be able to see my progress that you would be able to see that I, I improve in, in like the preaching gift, I improve in my faith, I improve in my walk with the Lord. It, it, it's an encouraging thing when we see people that progress. It's an encouraging thing when we, when we heard Jamie's story and we saw how he has progressed uh, in the faith. Ephesians, Ephesians 4.16 says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. The reason, the reason that we fit together is to help each other grow. I don't know where I'd be in my Christian life if I didn't have people that came around me and loved me and prayed for me and counseled me and, 
and helped me to see blind spots in my life and says, you know what, if I was you, I would not go down that road because you, you make that choice, you go down that road, it's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to end bad. I mean, we, we have to understand that we're a part of all of us, that the church is all of us. And listen, with, without me and without you, it's, it's not us. It's not us. I mean, we're here to love one another and to serve one another. A healthy church is just not in numbers and, and growth and, and, and all of those other things. It should be measured by the number of people that are all in, the number of people that say, this, this is my family. This, this is just, this is who I am. I mean, I get to serve. I mean, no church can grow its fullest, to its fullest potential until all the parts work together perfectly in perfect harmony. There's always someone waiting on the other side of your obedience. I, I came to Christ in my 20s. And I still remember when I walked in, my, in that church service, I wasn't overwhelmed by my sin, by the dysfunction that was in my life, uh, by some bad choices that I'd made. You know, I wasn't overwhelmed by any of that. You know what I was overwhelmed by? The overwhelming love of Jesus Christ and the overwhelming love that the church had for me. And the same thing that God in that church did for me is the same thing that God in Fellowship of the Rockies wants to do for you. Should be overwhelmed by the love that God has for you and the love that we have for you. 